China podcast, where a British and an American girl satisfy all your curiosity and questions about what it's like to live in China today. And now your hosts, Holly and Nora. Hello, welcome back. I'm so excited for today's episode. It's a special one today. Every episode is special on Nara. <laughs>、uh, this is episode 126 of the Two Eye Chicks in China podcast. Thanks for listening. Yeah, and thank you to everyone who has left us a review. We really appreciate those five stars because that will help other people find us in Apple Podcasts. Although we also appreciate reviews on any other podcast platform. That's cool too. I also want to give a massive shout out and thank you to. Our new supporter on Patreon, David. Thank you very much. And this is really cool, Corey and Arthur. Thank you very much for upping their donations on Patreon. Wow,、yep. they want to、really、push、awesome. us toward our goal. Yay! Yes. Um, so, for those of you who don't know what Patreon is, this is a platform where people who create free content, like Nora and I, we can put up a page, and you guys can go there. Ours is Patreon.com/slash/TwoWhiteChicks, and you can leave us a small donation, and that will help us to improve the quality of the podcast, make some videos, and in the future set us up to go on some trips around China where we can make some you know, cool, cool videos and stuff like that. That's the dream. <laughs> yes. So should we talk about a, a little fact about China? Why not? Yeah, so you know I love Shenzhen, and whenever I see Shenzhen in the news, I always gravitate towards、mm. those articles. Yeah, so, me too. <laughs> yeah. So did you know that Shenzhen is considered the metrosexual capital of China? No, I did not know that. <laughs> that's that's very interesting. Yeah, so it's it's uh it's named the top city for male fashion spending in the country. Um, this is from an article from JingDaily dot com, and we'll put the link in the show notes. So it says uh the international concept of the metrosexual closely relates to the Chinese internet term Jingzhenanghai, which means a stylish boy who cares about his appearance. It's a taste that echoes the Chinese millennial demand for little fresh meat. This is a term um for young beautiful men. In the entertainment industry,、mm. and you'll see that in a lot of their ads around China, you're like, is that a man or a woman? It's just you're not really sure. They're usually very young and very androgynous.、Uh, definitely. Yeah, and they're usually men, although sometimes you see the other way around. But their feminine qualities are really appealing to this market. So it says Shenzhen male spending power has shot up drastically over the last few years. That's according to a JD Research Institute report, and it outlined that Shenzhen men have emerged as one of the top three highest spending groups nationwide. Wow. Yeah. So let's talk about why. Why Shenzhen is so fashion forward for men. Money. <laughs> This is again from the same article. So it says thanks to their migrant culture and techie spirit. <laughs> Shenzhen locals tend to have a more progressive view on gender roles, which is something that we've、mm-hmm. also discussed about in previous episodes. Shenzhen men don't just shop for themselves, but they are also generous shoppers for their partners. Yeah, Shenzhen boyfriends. So it notes that <laughs> Shenzhen men are more the most active male online shoppers for spouses or girlfriends. And you can see that though. Whenever you go to the malls, you usually see the girl who's picking out the clothes and the guy、yeah. who's standing behind with a credit card or rather WeChat wallet. <laughs> I think that's a quite an interesting cultural difference in China. Couples do go shopping together. Like they, they take the day to go shopping together.、Mm-hmm. Like, and I think maybe in the West it's more likely that 
girls or women go shopping together and men only go shopping when they really have to. When For the most part, of course, I think that's changing now. <laughs> a lot of men dressing well is, is important, but I think it's a little bit different here. It's definitely different. And you can just see it on the streets. There's a lot of like floral, there's a lot of just bold fashion in Shenzhen. When I came about nine years ago, it wasn't like this. But mm-hmm. today, you see a lot of people walking on the street who are really like actually fashion forward. Yeah, I agree with you. Mm-hmm. And it, they do make you turn. I remember coming back to like first arriving here, there was some wacky fashion going on for the women they were wearing lots of lace and just some kind of wheat like it's just really cheap I cheap think. yeah that's it and now there are some really well-dressed ladies and even i look over my shoulder and think wow you look good girl <laughs> me too and the men too you know like, it's it's really impressive and the style is really specific it's definitely borrowing from hong kong and japan and korea right, so yeah. i don't know if i would consider it its own style but it's definitely very strikingly different mm. from western men's style yeah and it's also not just clothes but it's also the hairstyles as well i think it's a big part of it i've never seen men have such interesting hairstyles is in Shenzhen or maybe in, maybe it's a China thing but I think it's probably a Shenzhen thing mm-hmm. I feel in general Chinese men have very neat and tidy hair and when they do these crazy styles it really looks good I think yeah. it looks good on them so a portrait of a typical Shenzhen professional is a young high-earning programmer who's savvy about technology and wanting to better his personal style so I recommend you going to the link because then you'll find the next link which is a series called Straight Guy Makeover, which is a queer eye for the straight guy imitation, but it basically takes uh, nerdy programmers from Shenzhen and then transforms them into these Mm. handsome and very, very stylish professionals. I recommend you go to the link because they have like a lot of before and after pictures and they're really great. I want to see that. Yeah, and you can kind of get a feel for the fashion here. There's a lot of like long draping scarves Mm -hmm. and pants that are kind of half of the skirt and like (laughs) large rimmed glasses that have no lenses and it's just check it out if you're interested. So Holly, Mm. let's move on to the news. Alright, I have a very, very short piece of news for you. Apparently, last night, there was a UFO scene in Chongqing. <laughs> so, I have no... Unfortunately, I have no reference for this, but... I saw it. But as soon as I came in this morning, Champson came to me and she was like, did you hear about the UFO last night? I was like, uh, no. She said, oh yeah, it was seen in Chongqing and even actually seen across quite a few provinces. And she showed me a video and it's like these cylindrical lights going very slowly across the sky and they appeared at around 8.40pm. And I don't know if this is a separate sighting because I tried to find stuff online. Maybe Champson can help me so I can show you a video. But there was also another sighting on July 14th as well. But it said it's... It was shown in, it was seen at 8.40 and it lasted for about an hour. People have gone crazy about this apparently. Oh man, I love on this. On social media, yeah. <laughs> but it's, uh, Chinese really like this kind of like UFO and science fiction type stuff, so. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Great, so shall we get on to this week's show? Yes, let's. I'm so excited. Okay, so here we go. Alright, so let's get into the meat of the show. <laughs> Very excited about this. So we have a special guest today. This is Michael Michelini. He's an internet marketer and an e-commerce seller, and he's been in China for longer than both Holly and I. He's been in China since 2007, and he's the host of GlobalFromAsia.com. Highly recommend you check that out. Hi, Mike. What's up, Nora? Thanks for having me. <laughs> Actually, we owe Mike a lot for this show because he's the one who pushed us to do 
do it. So if you've been enjoying the show, you have Mike to thank for that. <laughs> I'm so happy. This is going great. I've been seeing their uh, posts and I'm happy that it's, that it's going great. Yeah, you came up with the name too. <laughs> yeah. I like the name. I was, we were thinking about it and it was like, yeah. That was the first thing you said. And then we went over tons of other names after that because we were like, no, we, we can't so name it worried. that. Yeah, and then just that was the one. <laughs> I, has anybody been offended by it? I don't no. know. No. People no, seem to like us, but we got a message the other day and someone asked us, how does it feel to be the only two white chicks in China? <laughs> trying to be funny, man. Yeah. I think it's good because we're kind of taking yeah, about ourselves. Talking about yourself, not others. So today's topic is near and dear to all our hearts, and it's about relationships. And this should be great because Mike has been married to a Chinese woman. She's lovely, Wendy. So let's start from the top, Mike. Uh, how did you meet Wendy? So she's always shy to say it, but we met on Weibo. Uh, the Chinese Twitter in 2012. I didn't know that. That's oh, you didn't know that. Unusual. I mean, I've read your story because you actually have your story on written Chinese. Yeah, I wrote about it. But I didn't actually realize it was Weibo that I brought you together. I was working on a startup in Dalian. I was in the China Accelerator program and it was lead generation on Weibo. So everybody jokes that it was dating, but it didn't start as dating. We uh, I was looking for people in Beijing that were doing um, mobile app business development because Weibo is closely. Of course, people think of it as Twitter, but it's also like LinkedIn. You could search profiles, business, job descriptions. It's really funny is I didn't contact. I was the one that added her and contacted her, but it's actually my uh, team member that was doing it from my account, Amy. I was planning a trip to Beijing from Dalian, and I was looking for biz dev people and mobile apps to help me promote my app. And she was, you know, actually pretty effective to use. We'll talk about white, white people. Uh, I'm a white guy. I'm a white <laughs> dude in China. So I was using my white face on Weibo, my, well, my real photo, but I was reaching out in English on Chinese social media. And of course, a lot of Chinese maybe are shy to speak. I mean, her English is good, but I mean, even others, it was very effective because they see a foreigner and English, they can type back. So I was actually a really effective way to build relationships. But of course, my jokes, it's like, oh, I should make this a dating app. But we met for business originally, but that was how I initiated a conversation. So she always says, I added her first, is what she she would be shy about this. Because I guess it's weird everywhere to meet online, but especially in China, at least at that time, it was a little bit weird maybe to meet. I mean, we met for business. I remember the first time I met her in Beijing and we went out to talk. I mean, it was just because it's a woman doesn't mean it has to be about that it's about business right so but she was showing me pictures she had been to tibet and she traveled by herself and uh, she showed me pictures of her trip she met other people i was actually really impressed about her independence to travel and to be on her own yeah you'll see more and more young chinese traveling around like that but at that time so eight years ago then wow. this is very unusual right or six years six, six years six, sorry yeah. six years ago my math's no good <laughs> we've already realized that one. I mean, neither uh, was a very good advice. i'm feeling so old and we were talking i have kids now and like is going so fast. So you've been together then since 2012. So yeah. how long after that did you start romantically going so after each other? It was a stressful time for me. I was in like a three-month program for my startup at the time. I was just in Beijing for a few days. It was called Geeks on a Train or GOAT, G-O-A-T. <laughs> yeah, it was a trip from Dalian. We took a train for 12 hours on a sleeper train. I love that. <laughs> and, uh, and then Beijing for like three days. So that's why I met her. It was hyper-networking because we we're doing a company visit. So it was, you know, it's like a school almost. And then we went to Shanghai and then we, we didn't take a train back. We flew back from Shanghai to Dalian, but... 
that was a really intense program. I think it's one reason she's amazing. She's always so supportive. She was helping me a lot, introducing me to people. She's a good networker. I mean, that's what she does and still does is a network and biz dev. So we were staying in touch while I was in Dalian and she really shone through a lot with the demo day, which is at the end, we did it in Beijing. She took the day off from her work. She was helping out with the booth and uh, we had our team too, but she was, she was almost part of the team by then. After the program, she was, not just her, a lot of people were trying to get me to stay to live in Beijing. She was there 10 years, I think. And uh, her and other investors and other people were trying to tell me to stay in Beijing for my tech startup and investors and business relationships. But I decided to come back to Shenzhen because my co-founder of the startup was a Hong Kong guy, Chris, and he wasn't willing or able to relocate. So I decided to move back to Shenzhen, end of 2012. We were kind of like, you know, starting to get our relationship. While I was, I was staying in Beijing for maybe a month or so at the end of 2012, I decided that it was not where I was going to stay. So she followed you to... Yeah, she Shenzhen. followed me down here. She, Aww. We had a conversation and I just felt like it, even 2007 people were trying to convince me to move to Beijing or live in Beijing. I like the culture, but I don't like the weather and the pollution and the traffic. I like the South better. I think Beijing's a really cool city. It's yeah, got that, a lot going on, yeah. especially in the tech world. But Shenzhen for living is so nice. Yeah, I love I seeing palm trees every day. I love being by the sea. I love the warm weather, even though I know a lot of people complain about it. And I also complain about it in the middle of the summer. But I take it over the icy, sludgy snow any day. What is it? The sandstorms or something? I, I was there in 2007, my first time, and I had to keep a bottle of water next to my bed. I was there in November. I would wake up in the middle of the night with a dry throat. Oh, it's just it was like coated. So dry. And, wow. I just remember in, in the winter time, it's not just cold, it's, it's dry. It's At least, that Gobi uh, Desert just like yeah. slowly taking over north of China. <laughs> so, yeah, I think it, it was pretty fast. And in 2013, we moved in together in Shenzhen, early 2013. Mm -hmm. And you got married. Yeah, we got married. You mentioned that Wendy speaks really good English, and we know that you've been learning Chinese. But on a day to day basis, like at home, what language do you speak in? Like, or with your family in general, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, now I live with. With her dad we can talk about that um, <laughs> yeah <laughs> and uh, of course I have, we have two kids together now I'm not still... just her dad it's you her the dad yeah, and your yeah, two, she, two yeah, kids right, right? yeah <laughs> and then there's not, not just like there's two not dudes <laughs> bunking up together so IE is like a housekeeper or you know they, they can help with child care as well for those of you new listeners out there who aren't familiar with the phrase it means aunt right technically yeah, auntie. Mm -hmm. and they even call her Lao Lao kids think her she's grandma and they say it's just because She's really close. That's what Wendy explains to me. But we speak in English, Wendy and I, mostly. Unless she gets really angry. <laughs> <laughs> she argues better in Chinese. Yeah, she fights better in Chinese. <laughs> Do you ever have times when you try to, because I know you're trying to learn Chinese, or you, you you know, you speak quite decent Chinese, but you're always trying to improve, right? But do you ever have times where you decide, like, okay, we're going to speak Chinese today, and you try to go the whole day, or... So the funny part is, she doesn't have patience, is what she'll say, because I think it's true, like, the person that speaks both languages, it's like, oh, it's just easier I just speak in English, than trying to deal with my, like, kindergarten-level Chinese... <laughs> <laughs> right. There's been a few discussions where she says she'll only speak to me in Chinese, but then she kind of gets impatient, I think. She's from Shenyang, right? So yeah. they have their own, like, different dialect as well. Yeah. They, does she speak? Does she use that dialect? The crazy story is the Ai also from Dongbei, and her dad, of course, right. and her. So even the kids speak um. Dongbei Hua sometimes. So even I kind of can even tell the difference. Mm -hmm. But I don't want to speak Chinese to my kids because I want them to make sure... 
they speak English. So even though sometimes I can understand my kids speaking to me in Chinese, I don't respond to them in Chinese because I want at least somebody at house at the house to speak English to them. Yeah, we're yeah, living probably. in China, and so I'm sure that they get a lot of exposure to Chinese, so that makes a lot of sense. So I force them, but my father-in-law doesn't speak any English, so I get some practice there. My problem is I I can communicate pretty well without. I think I've learned to communicate in general without words. A lot of things you, when you're talking to somebody, pointing or showing or body expressions, facial expressions, kind of be more more technical. So I almost like can program stuff in the house to be like automatic kind mm-hmm. of. It's hard to learn a language from a spouse too. I know that also because my mm-hmm. husband also is Bulgarian speaker, and it's I, I get more frustrated with him when he's explaining Bulgarian grammar rules or he's correcting my Bulgarian than I would anybody else who's telling me that. There's something、yeah. about the closeness that's just like. Really drives you nuts. <laughs> yeah, I think it's already delicate enough. You know, it takes a lot of work to keep a relationship and communication going smoothly. So sometimes, if there's an added frustration of even more complex communication challenges, it's just another level of stress. Speaking of that, so what are some cultural differences that you've encountered in your marriage with Wendy that you didn't really expect?、Mm, I used to not. I don't know. I think it's just because I've lived. I'd already lived in China over five years when we had gotten married. So I already kind of prepared for cultural differences. I think some of the unexpected ones is、uh, the holiday. There's still these holidays. I feel like I don't remember even after ten years. There's stuff that I don't remember or lengths of holidays. The crazy story is like sometimes a kid will miss school because we will、uh, think there's a longer holiday than even what the school says. <laughs> like I feel bad. I don't want my kid to miss school, but.、Uh, I think holidays, even like we're talking about languages, sometimes just the nonverbal, even without words, there's stuff that you're supposed. To, you know, it's tricky even with the English to English or the same culture to understand. You have to. I don't know. I don't. I'm with the white two chicks here, but. You have to kind of mind read, and you have to mind read with culture and language. So I'm trying to mind read sometimes, and I don't understand what I'm supposed to mind read, and I can't tell if it's a reply is. <laughs> they can't tell if the replies. Yeah, is, there's yeah. a lot said here that means something <laughs>、yeah. different. I mean, we、yeah. we all come from very direct cultures where what you say is what you mean. In China, that's definitely not the case. Yeah, so I just don't I, know what's happening. I'm like, is this? A, and I'm pretty open person. I'm just like, am I not saying the right answer now? Because yeah, if you say no, I'll, I'll just accept this no. But I'm like, wait, wait, something is. But I also think that maybe that's a, a marriage thing or a, a couple thing, you know, in many cultures. Like even between my husband and I, we we speak the same language, but sometimes there are completely, you know, we totally misunderstand each other. I went back to the states a couple of times now, and my mom will say like, I yeah, I kind of let her, I kind of like I'm eating. My mom, my mom says I don't push enough. You know, I let Wendy kind of win a little bit more. But I think that I've learned to. I used to be more stronger to win. But I guess maybe husbands listening. I think it's better to lose sometimes. Gentlemen, are you, you hearing? <laughs> <laughs> so I've learned to lose and not be upset about it. It sounds like you're adopting more and more of the Chinese culture, like maintaining the family harmony at the sacrifice of your own <laughs> ideas and desires. <laughs> I think、uh, I feel like I don't even own anything. Like I wake up really early, and I have my home office, my office where I work. And I kind of keep more of my clothes there, and I I don't even have to go. I just basically stay in my bed. Sometimes there's a couple kids. <laughs> Sometimes 
Random kids, kids. yeah. Well, my kids are into sometimes. I'm like, I'm just like running a commune. I just feel like the man in the house, or I don't know if it's China or not, but I just feel like it's not in my complete control, and I have to accept that. And then the the food, and sometimes like actually the really the hard part is her father's really awesome. He helps so much, but sometimes he helps too much. And I, I'm afraid it spoils the kids because he'll take them out for grocery shopping, and they'll come back with another toy, and they'll come back with candy and. Uh, that's I'm the grandparents really... job though yeah. to spoil the kids but i guess it's different when like when we were growing up we'd see our grandparents every so often so if you get spoiled by your grandparents not really a big deal but if grandpa's living with you mm-hmm. and this is happening every day it can really be a problem and wendy says that he doesn't even listen to her so oh. <laughs> so before marrying wendy did you know about this tradition of the in-laws living with you? I mean, I had heard of it, but when I met her, when I went the family, I was, I know, of course, you're marrying sometimes the family too. So when I went to the hometown the first time in 2013, that was actually the funny story is I have, I have talked about this in blogs, but I was, uh, you know, maybe preparing to be, I think when you go to the hometown, when you meet the parents, I think in China, it's pretty serious i don't know about i think in the u.s it's not as serious to bring your girlfriend boyfriend home but i think in china it's pretty serious from what i've understood so when i met the family i I knew this was serious but i was actually i like the family they're entrepreneurial and they're they're open-minded and they're not so like programmed into the system too much they're flexible he's very helpful and he's he's mostly i'm happy with him and i guess i was not i didn't ask before and then it wasn't until we had kids that it happened so we were living by ourselves when we were married without them but then all of a sudden when she was getting close to having the kid grandpa aunt gugu you know all these family members started coming in and staying on the couch staying on the floor <laughs> staying in the other room and i was like all of a sudden more and more family were coming <laughs> and then some families stayed longer than others and then during that explosion in tianjin sister moved from tianjin and started living on our couch so there's just this never-ending family coming in and out of our house so i guess it broke me in and grandpa <laughs> grandpa or my father-in-law has never left he's been there since miles was born which is now over four years but i was always happy because i i'm you know i'm a I, i'm a workaholic and that was one reason i liked her a lot she supported my work she didn't say it's like me or work she's also worked at a startup so she's never I've had previous relationships where they were saying, is it, is it your work or is it me? But she's never done that. And, and now, like, with the family there to help, it's one thing I like about Asia or China is, like, I, I talk about this a lot, but I was back in the States, nobody would help me. The family would, like, not help me. Or they would help a little bit, but it's not, like, the same here. I like to have people help. I don't know. It's definitely independence versus, you know, this collective family units. But speaking of families... Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, do you find that there are differences between the way you want to raise the kids and, bet- and the way she wants to raise them? And obviously you've got your father-in-law there. Yeah, my biggest fear is the independence of the kids mm-hmm. and kids spoiled. You know, there's that, that issue of... Especially Chinese with the one-child policies, not now, but I guess in the past, or just the, you know, we were talking about it earlier, like the Asian micromanages, I think, the kids too much, where I'll get in arguments sometimes with the family or my wife because I'm not, like, picking up the kid when he falls. I'm like, no, let him scrape his knee and hurt and cry a little bit and get up. Like, I'm not going to go there and pick him up, put a band-aid, I'm going to let him bleed a little bit and feel the hurt. So that he will remember not to fall next time. Mm-hmm. I think that's the biggest one is uh, I'm just fearful that everyone is protecting him 
or her too much where my style is whether it's kids or people i work with is let them make a mistake and let them fall because they'll learn i've had the same thing with dahlia my daughter in the park where i've been sitting there and since you know i'm foreigner people don't usually expect that i speak chinese and i've been sitting next to parents and hearing them say like oh look at that how lazy she is with her kid because I'm not like chasing after her because they're hovering around yeah, them I think constantly it's... and Dolly is very independent she needs her space actually if I'm stuck on her she gets really annoyed she doesn't want me there she falls down a lot but it's less and less for the same reason she learns she gets hurt but I don't rush over to her yeah. immediately either but I also get similar feedback yeah. from other parents who are very disapproving of my parental yeah. <laughs> and it's choices. not and not just with falling but I want something. Right, and then you just and immediately just get it. Yeah. I'm like, no, don't just give it to him as soon as he wants it. That's bad, man. <laughs> like, I don't know. I, that's something that I really have a problem with. Like, oh, I want a cookie. Boink, here's a cookie. I want a toy. Boink, here's a I'm like, no, no, no. I don't, I say no. And like, if he's just with me, he doesn't bother me so much because he knows if I say no, it's no. Right. But there's like, no, and it's, oh, okay, here. No, here. That one really is scary, actually. Yeah, it's really surprising. Sometimes you, you're out on the street and you see a parent with a, a child who might be like 11 or 12 year old and you can tell the, the mother or father has said, no, you cannot have this. And they're almost crying. Like an 11 year or 12 year old boy yeah. is, is... Or you'll see kids so who are like bizarre. six or seven still being pushed in, <laughs> right a in a stroller. Yeah, oh yeah. man, I have yeah. to admit, my father-in-law still feeds my son at four. Oh wow. That's crazy, man. I yell at him. But at school, he must eat by himself because grandpa's mm-hmm. not there. But at home, he's like spoon feed. I'm like, man, this is not. <laughs> Wendy even agrees. So let's talk a little bit about how life is like on Wendy's perspective. So are there any habits that you have that she finds really strange? I guess I'm strange even to the Western people. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I get up, I think you guys know, I mean, I get up at 5.30 still. I, I mean, I wasn't always like that. Even I changed a lot since I got married, actually. My eating habits, she wants me to, you know, eat rice. I don't eat rice. And uh, she thinks I'm going to die because I'm going to eat rice. So I'm going to go to the hospital or, or who's this Tim Ferriss guy I need to contact him to tell him that his book is bad for you (laughs) Uh, and I try to do this body hacking or health hacking and you know she's tradition pretty traditional in that way so she thinks it's not healthy how does she expect you to Hit. Well, she says I'm like robotic now. Because so. you're the type of guy, you're always looking for like ways to optimize your efficiency because mm-hmm. you have, you know, you've got all this cool stuff going on with Global from Asia and you've got all these other side projects and you're just really well connected. And so you're always trying to streamline everything. So you're trying to shave off a minute here, a minute there and try and do everything as optimally as possible, right? Yeah, that's it. I don't know. It's a lot of times in China, people aren't as efficient. I remember when I first came here, I made that mistake thinking I could fix you know because it's so frustrating i was buying from factories so i thought i could kind of fix their systems even 10 years ago with the crm and the software and the solution especially now with wechat everything is in wechat it's like did you get my wechat i'm like i said wendy i i don't check my wechat because there's so many other messages can we use some other app that i'll put the loudest notification on when you send me a message like but she only uses wechat and she is so annoyed that i'm not checking my wechat every five minutes like most Chinese people are I'm just like I'm not going to be just so super distracted by checking notifications all day and I can't think straight so yeah I mean there's stuff like that but yeah I mean I'm very efficient and organized and 
I don't want to say she's not, but she doesn't seem to get that as much as I do. But I guess maybe other people are. Even my Western friends think I'm a little bit crazy sometimes about my schedule and systems. <laughs> are there any other daily habits that you do that might, like, maybe think back towards in the beginning of your relationship? Mm. I'm trying to think of one. So one of my uh, good friends, Joe, so he's also an American, and his girlfriend, he's been dating her for several years now as Chinese, and one of the things that she found really strange was that he would leave his dirty clothes in the laundry basket. Because for them, it's really dirty to leave your clothes. Like, I'm a type of person, I do laundry once a week. So I had throw everything in there and then once a week mm. do the laundry. But his girlfriend found that really disgusting. Cause she was like, oh, you don't wash your clothes every day? Because she, every day, would take off her clothes and immediately go and wash them out wow. and leave them hanging. Mm -hmm. And she was always really surprised coming over to our house, like, why don't you have any clothes hanging on the line? Like, well, they're all put away. You know, I've already done the laundry for the week. One thing that bugged me a lot was uh, she would just uh, throw away some of my stuff. Like, she says, this shirt is old. And not even tell me sometimes. Or I would see it in the trash. And I'm like, I like that shirt. She's like, it's old. <laughs> I'm like, man, that was like in the drawer. Like, you just like went into my drawers and just started throwing stuff out because you said it's old. I'm like, man, I, I like that shirt. <laughs> I don't care. It's, yeah, it's kind of rip or it's something's maybe not perfect about it. Yeah, that definitely still happens. Like, stuff will just, I'm like, where? I don't know if this, again, I can't tell if this is because I'm married or it's Chinese, but like I said earlier, like, I don't know where my stuff is half the time. It's, I just have my backpack and my, my laptop and I keep my passport in there and it's my bag, but my clothes and the organization of my sometimes I can't find stuff and she yells at me she's like oh you just don't want help I just put it there I'm like I thought it was there and stuff just moves around <laughs> still to this day but she stopped throwing stuff away without asking me at least but there was time at the beginning where she'd be like cleaning up my stuff and throwing it away because it's old I'm like man that's kind of means something to me <laughs> maybe she doesn't have the same kind of attachment to things yeah or maybe that's like a gender role thing in China like the woman takes the responsibility for those things, I'm not sure. Do you throw any of um, your husband's stuff out without him knowing? No. Yeah, I wouldn't do that But either. he probably wouldn't notice anyway. He's, that's, he's a bit different. <laughs> like I said, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how to say it, but it's between China and marriage. It's, I've just kind of decided to lose some battles. I think that's necessary in any relationship, yeah, though. There's always compromise. Yeah. So it's probably just more obvious when it's such a big cultural divide. But I'm sure Wendy also has sacrificed a lot. Um, yeah, totally. And has compromised too. Apart from throwing away your clothes without asking, do you think she has any other unusual habits? I mean, she's starting to become a little bit more extreme Buddhist than, than when I knew her. I mean, I've changed too, but now she's kind of gotten really into Buddhism. There were some times where she, I noticed she, uh, I guess, I think a lot of Chinese people are like this, she gets her her friends influence her. I guess mm -hmm. maybe a lot of us, happens to maybe us and me, but uh, like there was some kind of like Chinese version of Tony Robbins for like motivation one. It was like 20000 R&B for like, I don't know, it, was, it wasn't that much either. It was not that much sessions. And I had to agree. Like, I'm like, I would question it and I'll get arguments because it's worth it. I'm like, uh, this is kind of a lot of money. I don't know. Like, and uh, yoga classes and and uh, Buddhism stuff now. And it's, it's tricky, especially, the, yeah, money management. And 
sharing and decision making and sometimes yeah like now she's uh she has like a buddhist god thing on the wall and she'll be meditating to it and it's uh it seems a little bit kind of extreme to me and then there's this discussion about actually at our school they're starting to give some kind of christian books to read and she's not liking that and i'm not like extreme christian either but it's also scary about the kids you know edu religion like i remember i had arguments with my parents my parents had arguments about religion too because they were different religions so yeah i mean it's uh it's some scarier stuff i'm curious about the buddhism thing like how does that change day-to-day -day? like how has that changed her like day-to-day -day life i mean apart from the meditation how, what else does she implement i mean i i met her one of their her buddhist one of the monks i don't understand this so much but basically he was staying in one of another buddhist member's house and uh, i went i was like i'm meeting this guy because who who are you with <laughs> like multiple nights they come sometimes come back at 10 11 one time 2 a.m like i'm not jealous kind but you know like every day <laughs> you're gone until like 10 11 2 o'clock in the morning coming up like can I meet this guy? Like, who is this monk? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, That's fair. So there's sometimes these weekends, so we're going to go to Malaysia for some three-day Buddhist retreat. I'm going to hang out maybe at a hotel or something. I'm not going because I saw videos. It's like a full, intense meditation all day kind of thing in a huge hot field. It's like... But you meditate yourself, right? I meditate, yeah, but... Not in a field. <laughs> I mean, I... I I f actually I freaked out the first time I saw her with one of these Buddhist gods on the wall because she used to just meditate without anything and now she's putting this elephant looking Buddhist picture on the wall it's not there but she'll put it there for the time she meditates and I'm like this is too much and then it was kind of I felt back after because I interrupted her meditation about it I kind of just freaked out you know and then she took a picture of uh, the family and put it there instead but then the next day went back to the Buddhist god guy so uh, she's saying it's helped with our fortune there's some things that have happened and changed maybe for the better and she's crediting Buddhism for that I don't know if that's really the reason but does she is she vegetarian she's starting to become no meat now uh -huh. again this is still kind of new it's only been a few months okay we'll see how it all plays mm -hmm. out so to sum it all up you've had relationships with Western women before right so what are some of the advantages and um, disadvantages of a Chinese wife as opposed to like you mentioned some before about how Wendy seems really supportive of your work and doesn't make you choose between her and your work are there any other advantages or disadvantages that you see with a Chinese wife mm. versus a Western woman yeah so this is of course interesting I'm sure everybody's ears are perking up <laughs> yeah <laughs> ours included we're like yes. staring at you so, <laughs> I, I Maybe if, I won't dodge the question. I'll get to that question. But I remember when I first came to China, like 2007, I was at, I guess it was like a beer fest party and I was a little bit drunk and I was dancing with some Chinese girl. And I remember a guy, Chinese guy getting really offended. I guess I was I wasn't being so obnoxious, but I was probably a little bit sloppy dancing, you know. And then he's like, "Oh, you just come here to take our women or some." I can't remember. He was really in my face, upset at a dance floor or something. He was like, "What kind of a hater?" You know, whether he's Chinese or foreign, white or whatever, he was like a hater kind of guy. He was like jealous, and I was like, "Man, that doesn't matter. If she's Chinese or not. I'd be doing the same thing if I was in New York. It's not. It's not because she's Chinese." I remember conversations. Some of my Western American friends here, you know, came originally dating Chinese, got sick of it, and then 
and ended up marrying Western women and moving back to the U.S. And I still have friends that and they would say, "Oh, Mike, you'll never marry a Chinese," you know, you because they were here before me, and uh, they would tell me, "Oh, you know, we thought it would be good, and it's so annoying. We can't stand it. We uh, we got married to a Western woman or American woman, and I am married to a Chinese, and I never really came here thinking." Well, I never knew how long I'd be in China, but I never really like I'm coming to marry a Chinese person or I'm coming to marry a foreign woman or I really married her because of you know like I said like she was an independent traveler by herself. She worked in a startup. She was so supportive. She didn't make me choose her or my work. And she is a little bit more open-minded in some ways. Of course, she sometimes goes into these group feelings of yoga and. Tony Robbins and Buddhism, but she's a very independent uh, person. So I mean, that's I think for somebody to get married, they have to know themselves really well or know what they want. And I know those are things that I I, I had always wanted. I had relationships both Chinese and uh, and Western that a lot of times would get. I'm a workaholic, so. I don't like when somebody tries to make me feel like I'm choosing. But of course, the negatives, the drawbacks, of course, is she's never heard of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> or that's a big yeah, one. that's a big priority. You know, or or uh, <laughs> Star Wars. She had not heard of Star Wars, and I'm um, like, and the kids love Star Wars, you know, and she's actually starting to like it. So we're going through them on uh, Yoku now, going through the old ones. But of course, that's the biggest setback. I think is the culture, you know, the small things. Small things in life are the fun things, you know. Like so, I'm like, that was, you know, or you're at a, you're outside, you know, at the park, and something funny happens, but. Nobody else thinks it's funny, but no, no, it's funny. Like if if, <laughs> if the white chicks were here, they would laugh. <laughs> but nobody else is laughing. I'm like that is funny. Come on, please. You know, yeah, humor you, is really mm, difficult thing to translate across yeah, cultures. So there are those times. It's lonely in a way, and I think that's some of the biggest drawbacks. But I also think it's really good for the kids to have this uh, amazing opportunity to learn. Chinese and English and the different cultures. I think it doesn't have to be a Chinese wife. It could be a foreign wife living in China still. But I'm trying to also make decisions in my life now as what's best for my kids. I think, of course, becoming a parent, you think about your kids quite a bit. So I think she's really a good mother, and I think she's a、uh, very you know we're gonna go traveling together, kind of an adventure again, considering all these different options. She's that's definitely an advantage. Cool. Well, thanks, Mike, for coming on the show and telling us a little bit about Wendy. I hope I didn't get myself in trouble.、Here. <laughs> I might get in trouble here. I'm sure you'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, you ended it well. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to give our listeners a Chinese word of the day? Sure. I have a, quite a bit, but I like. It sounds bad in English, but lie. <laughs> but come. You know, I think of the word lie, and it means it's like those. I always picture the character, and it, to me, it's like somebody with open hands. Yeah, it's open like come、arm. to me. Yeah. 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 I think it's, it's very versatile tone, think, too.、Yeah. Yep, that's right. Lie. So I think it's like coming here. Come. We said I didn't think of it before, but this just popped in my head. Good one. I、uh, will.、Uh, I will link to the dictionary in our show notes, which will be at writtenchinese.com/slash/episode one two six. If our audience wants to follow you or see what you're up to or contact you, what's the best way that they can do that? I talk a lot about business. Usually, I don't talk about relationships, but I talk about e-commerce and trading on globalfromasia.com. You have a podcast too, right? Yep. Yep. How yep. can they find that? Global from Asia. Globalfromasia.com/slash/podcast. Goes direct or slash iTunes to go to iTunes feed. Okay, very cool. So we'll put links to globalformasia.com also on the show notes. I written Chinese slash episode one two six. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you guys. Bye. <laughs>